Hello, it's Tax Credit Tuesday. I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is the Novogratik Report on Tax Credits. This weekly podcast is presented by Novogratik & Company, a national accounting and consulting firm. In addition to offering products and events designed for the renewable energy community development and affordable housing communities, we also offer a wide range of professional services related to those issues. To learn more about Novogratik and Company's professional services, check us out on the web at www.novoco.com. Today is Tuesday, September 16, 2008. This week, we'll consider what we can expect from Congress in the coming weeks regarding tax credit extension legislation. We will also discuss the status of SB 585, a bill that would allow the California State Housing Tax Credit to be bifurcated and sold separately from the Federal Housing Tax Credit. But first, we have breaking news about upcoming guidance that can be expected from the Treasury Department. On Wednesday, September 10th, the Treasury Department and the Internal Revenue Service released their 2008-2009 Priority Guidance Plan. The plan contains 314 projects that the Treasury Department and the IRS plan to complete through June 2009. The projects include guidance related to the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit and the New Markets Tax Credit. For the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit, or LIHTC, the IRS and Treasury plan to release final regulations under Section 42 on the requirements for a qualified contract. Proposed regulations on qualified contracts were published June 19, 2007. A copy of the proposed regulations can be found on our website at www.tashcredithousing.com by clicking on Hot Topics in the News Menu. The Priority Guidance Plan also lists the IRS's intent to issue guidance for matters contained in the Housing Assistance Tax Act of 2008 including allocations of the additional taxes and bond volume cap for qualified housing uses, for military housing allowances, and other affected taxes and bond provisions. In addition to these projects, there is an appendix at the end of the plan that lists the routine guidance that is published regularly each year. For instance, the IRS is scheduled to publish a revenue procedure this month that provides the amounts of unused housing credit carryover for the calendar year allocated to qualified states under Section 42 and a notice is scheduled for March release that will provide the 2009 calendar year population estimates used to determine the state LIHTC ceiling and the private activity bond volume cap. The plan also includes projects related to the New Market Tax Credit Program, such as final NMTC regulations under Internal Revenue Code Section 45D. Proposed regulations were published on August 11, 2008, and can be found online at www.newmarketscredits.com. The plan also confirms that the IRS still intends to provide regulations on how an entity serving target populations meets the requirements to be a qualified active low-income community business, or QLICBI. As soon as the guidance is published, we'll immediately post it online at the Affordable Housing Resource Center and the New Markets Tax Credit Resource Center. To be automatically informed of updates to industry news on these websites, visitors can now subscribe to news feeds by clicking on the RSS button at the top of the page at www.newmarketscredits.com and www.tashcredithousing.com. Now let's begin our discussion today with a look at what we can expect from Congress in the coming weeks as it continues to consider tax extension and renewable energy legislation. Prior to adjourning for the August recess, four attempts were made to move energy and tax extended legislation to the Senate floor, and these attempts were blocked by procedural wrangling. Now that lawmakers have returned to the Capitol, many have renewed their efforts to pass comprehensive energy legislation and a package of tax extenders. 
House and Senate leaders indicated last week that they would like to consider comprehensive energy bills in the next couple of weeks, and it is expected that each package would include extensions for the Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit and the Renewable Energy Investment Tax Credit. According to Senate Energy Chairman Jeff Bingaman of New Mexico, the only provision that both parties can agree on is the need to extend tax credits for the renewable energy industry. These tax credits are scheduled to expire at the end of this year. On Thursday, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus of Montana and Ranking Member Chuck Grassley of Iowa unveiled energy tax legislation that includes long-term extensions of wind and solar energy tax credits. Among other provisions, the bill extends the place and service date for the Section 45 Renewable Energy Production Tax Credit through December 31, 2011. The package also includes an extension through 2016 of the 30% investment tax credit for solar energy property and qualified fuel cell property. The bill would also extend the 10% investment tax credit for microturbines through 2016. Finally, the bill does provide a new 10% investment tax credit for combined heat and power systems. The estimated cost of the production tax credit provisions is approximately $15.4 billion over 10 years. The estimated cost of the provisions related to the investment tax credit is approximately $1.9 billion over 10 years. The cost of the package is offset in part with reductions in tax breaks for major oil and gas companies. Senators Bacchus and Grassley plan to present their proposal to the Senate for consideration this month. Last week, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid of Nevada indicated he'd like the Senate to consider energy legislation this week, so it is possible that this bill will make it to the floor this week. At this time, the revised extenders package does not include an extension of the new market tax credit or numerous other extenders. However, reports from Washington indicate that there is still hope that once lawmakers come to agreement on energy, including energy extenders, they will be able to consider the NMTC and other extenders. We will continue to track these developments in future podcasts. We will also discuss the future of the New Market Tax Credit and Renewable Energy Tax Credits at our upcoming conferences. I encourage you to join us in a few weeks in St. Louis at our multi-credit conference. If you can't attend that conference, I encourage you to join us at the New Market Tax Credit Investors Conference in Boston on October 23rd and 24th, and in Washington, D.C. for the Finance and Renewable Energy Conference on November 13th and 14th. Moving on to our second topic, we're pleased to report that legislation aimed at bifurcating state and federal housing tax credits in California is now in Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger's desk. Senate Bill 585 passed the California Assembly and Senate almost unopposed this summer. The measure would permit the bifurcation of state and federal low-income housing tax credits in California. We were extremely fortunate this last week to have California State Treasurer Bill Lockyer speak as the keynote luncheon speaker during our conference in San Francisco. During his remarks, Treasurer Lockyer reiterated his office's support for the measure. If the bill is enacted into law, SB 585 would be effective beginning on January 1, 2009, and would sunset on January 1, 2016. It is expected that the change would increase the value of California credits because a partnership could allocate all of the state tax credits to one partner and all the federal credits to a second partner. There has been considerable support for this change in the affordable housing community in California. Bifurcation is often preferred by sponsors or syndicators of tax credits because it makes it easier to sell the state credits by offering them to those who are not looking for federal credits. It also increases the pool of buyers for the federal credits, 
as they can be offered to investors that do not want the state credits. However, even though SB 585 cleared its hurdles in the state legislature, the bill does require the governor's signature to be enacted into law. And because of the ongoing debate over the state budget, continued support for the law is crucial. A similar measure was passed by the state legislature several years ago, but was vetoed by then-Governor Davis. As such, we encourage the affordable housing community to contact the governor to express their support for the measure. You can find an example of a support letter for SB 585 online at www.taxcredithousing.com. Simply go to the legislation menu at the top of the Affordable Housing Resource Center homepage and click on the State Legislation button. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's report. Please join us again next Tuesday when we'll provide updates on the status of tax extender legislation. We will also discuss recent guidance from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency regarding banks' investments in limited liability entities that develop, acquire, install, and maintain solar energy-producing facilities. Bank investment in solar tax credit projects has been something that's received considerable discussion, and this guidance from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, or the OCC, is an important development. We will also highlight some of the analysis and preliminary conclusions from the IRS on the data it has collected during its recent project designed to identify and measure the overall compliance and record retention knowledge of exempt organizations under 501c3. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.